we call him Elitas. It's like Elias Jr. We, we know him since he was seven years old. He and his family is very close to our family. So I'm so glad to have him here and see him, how he has been grown in the Lord at his young age. But before he will start his presentation, let, let us pray again to ask the Lord for his guidance. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the beautiful day that you have given us. Thank you because we have had the opportunity to know more about you. Now that Elias is going to do his presentation, I ask you a special blessing from your Holy Spirit so he can speak your words. Open our hearts, our minds, to listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good afternoon. Oh. Are we awake now after that uh, rousing sermon? Thank you very much, Pastor Goss. That was a powerful sermon. Um, yes, the Nino family knows me since I was very young. They saw me grow up and they saw me before my life before Christ. And um, I'm happy that that they now know a different, at least by God's grace. <laughs> For those of you that have a hard time saying my name, my name is Elias in Spanish. It's Elijah in, when you translate it to English. But if it's easier for you, you can say Elias. So that's no problem. Let's, um, let's open our Bibles to Revelation 4.11 and let's say a word of prayer before we read God's Word. Dear Father, we want to thank you, Lord, because we have the Bible. We want to thank you, Lord, because you instruct us, you, you speak to us through it. And Lord, we pray that today you will, you will speak to us, this afternoon, Lord, that you will open our minds and our hearts, and that your voice will be clear in what, what it is we, we have to do, Lord, and what it is that we have to surrender, and what it is that you want from us, Lord. And we thank you because we know you will. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So go with me to Revelation. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. For his glory, everything is and was created. Now, how many of us here have a Facebook account? Let's see, raise your hands up nice and high. Okay, I do as well. Now, I don't know if you've noticed among uh, uh, even, you know, Adventist circles, you know, we'll, when somebody mentions a Facebook account, you know, they'll say, yeah, I have my Facebook account, but I, I barely get on or... or you know, well, I use it to encourage people. And there's this, there's this um, unspoken, uh, almost shame that comes with having a Facebook account. Um, <laughs> you know, but did you know that in January, a poll was taken that the average user logs about 1.72 hours per day on social electronic media. I did the math, did some dimensional analysis there, and that means that people are spending an hour 43 minutes a day 
checking their Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. That means that when you convert it to the amount of times during a week, that's 12 hours a week. That's 2.15 days a month, and that's 26 days a year. That's 28% of that individual's time spent on electronic social platforms. That is a lot of time. I mean, what if we could add 26 more days to our year to do those things that are necessary? People are spending 26 days a year doing these things. Now, I'm not, he I'm not here to talk about the ills of social media because I do believe that it can be used for good. So that's not what we're here to talk about, don't worry. More than that, I'm here to discuss what insights that can give to us about us as humans, about we, how we feel, how we think, how we behave as human beings. Believe it or not, the National Institute of Health actually published a scholarly article in 2012 discussing the reasons behind the use, the why behind, wh behind the reason, or the reason why people use social uh, media. They, they gave three reasons, you ready? Number one, the ability to construct a public or semi-public profile. Number two, the ability to identify a list of other users with whom a connection is shared. And three, the ability to view and track individual connections as well as those made by others. When they distilled it down to two main reasons, they were the following. One, the need to belong. The need of a sense of belonging. And two, the need for self-presentation, which, and, and they listed a whole bunch of other things under there, narcissism and neuroticism and so on. The research is distilled down to those two, the need for human, the, need, the human need to belong and for self-presentation. They, they said, and I'm quoting here, humans are highly dependent on the social support of others and ostracism from the social group impacts negatively on a variety of health-related variables including one's sense of belonging, emotional well-being, sense of life, meaning, purpose, self-efficacy, self and self-worth. Yet, every year, lots of uh, Facebook users commit suicide. So, you know, these social media platforms are not filling the need. They're not filling the gap. You see, we were created for something more. We were created with a need that that nothing can satisfy, an insatiable need, a God-filled, a God-shaped hole in our hearts that nothing can satisfy. And today, nowadays, you see how there are so many, so many different types of uh, mediums through which people are trying to fill this hole, whether it be these uh, artificial connections with other people through Facebook or through whatever platform they, they choose whether it be through parties and, or whether it be through material things, owning a house, a car, a relationship. But for those of you that have been married for uh, a long time, I'm, I myself am not married, but I have spoken to many who are, and I'm sure that there are many here who would testify that even a happy marriage on its own without God does not fail. It is empty without God. There is a God-shaped hole in our hearts 
and nothing else will satisfy. Jesus gives us the secret to filling this hole. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15. This is one of my favorite chapters. John chapter 15 is beautiful. And here Jesus gives us the secret to finding satisfaction, true satisfaction. Now before before we go anywhere else, look at verse 8. John chapter 15 verse 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. So here is the, the, the secret to filling that need is to glorify God. We were made, we read in Revelation 4.11 that everything was created for whose glory? For God's glory. But it's not just God, and as we're going to see in this chapter. We were created for God's glory. There is a purpose to our lives, and that is to give glory to God. And here we're told that the way to glorify Him is by how? Look at verse 4 and 5. Herein is my Father glorified. How? That you bear much fruit. That was in verse 8. And now look at verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in the vine. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We find the same message in Isaiah 43, 7, that we were created for whose glory? For God's glory. We were created for God's glory. And here we're told that to glorify God means that we bear fruit. And to bear fruit, if you look down in verse, in chapter 15 now, look at uh, verse... 10. I'm sorry, verse 11. He says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain where? In you, and that your joy might be half full. No, that your joy might be full. Where is full satisfaction found? It is in bearing fruit for Him. And how can we bear fruit for Him? As we read in verse 4 and 5, it is by a constant abiding, a constant relation, a constant connection with God. Today our society is looking for this connection that fills and nothing is filling. Today the morgues are just overflowing, right? The, 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 um, the uh, how do you call those, uh, those places where, insane asylums, sorry, I always forgot the name there for a second. The insane asylums, they're, they're full of people who have just, you know, gone crazy for no apparent reason or for reasons that Perhaps the spirit of prophecy tells us why, but modern medicine can't tell. Or more and more we're seeing that these people are, are empty. People are walking the streets angry. You smile at people, they don't smile back. Or you smile at people and they look at you weird. Has anyone experienced that? You know, I like smiling and I smile at people and I say, hey, good morning. And, you know, they look at you like you're odd. More and more, this, this world is becoming an unsafe place. There's more violence. Just, just earlier this year, I went for a, a doctor's appointment uh, near where I live, just in the next town over, and it's a safe town. At least 
that's what everybody says. It's a very safe town. And I was there and somebody broke into my uh, vehicle and they stole my backpack, which had my laptop and, and all these things. And, and I would tell people, oh yeah, this happened in Auburn. Auburn? Are you sure? Are you serious? Auburn? You know, and they were just shocked because more and more evil is just on the increase. People, you know, the earth is not, it's not what it used to be. And for those that have lived much longer than I, you can probably see how this nation even has changed. There is a lack of something, and it is God. There's a lack of a deep relationship with God. And this is something that we cannot, we cannot overemphasize. This is something that we cannot share too much of. It's not, it's not something that we should get tired of hearing. Because no matter where we are in our Christian walk, no matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how much we know, it is our one basic need. We can know every prophecy in the Bible back and forth. We can have, you know, a whole list of verses memorized. We can, we can do anything. We can be the most active evangelizer or evangelist, you know, in our home church. We can be giving lots of Bible studies. We can be a very conscious health reformer or dress reformer or name it reformer and yet still be empty because we have lost our first love. And this is not something that, that we should play with, that we should forget, easily forget at least. Because God wants us. He wants our heart now, today, here. He wants us completely, body, soul, and spirit. And yet, very often we betray Him, we sell Him for a pot of stew for whatever it is that likens our fancy. But brothers and sisters, it is, it is not time to play with God's feelings anymore. It is not time to hurt His heart anymore. It's not time to, to play with our own eternal fate. Our, we have this banner here which was fixed for such a time as this. It is time to, to really check ourselves and see whether we are in the faith. How is my walk, my own personal walk with Christ? Have I lost my first love? Do I still enjoy reading my Bible? Do I still enjoy sharing it with others? Do I still enjoy kneeling and praying for as long as necessary? These are the things that matter. And everything else will come in its train. There's a, there's a quote here I want to read to you from Signs of the Time. September 3rd, 1896. It says, Wherever we go, we bear the abiding presence of the one so dear to us. For we abide in Christ by a living faith. He is abiding in our hearts by our individual appropriating faith. We have the companionship of the divine Jesus. And as we, and as we realize His presence, our thoughts are brought into captivity to Him. Our experience in divine things, catch this, our experience in divine things will be in proportion to the vividness of our sense 
of his companionship. So the, the, the way that we experience God in our lives will be in direct proportion to the vividness of his companionship, of his presence in our day-to-day, moment-to-moment life. So let me ask you something. When we go to work, when we go uh, shopping, how often do we forget that Jesus is with us? How often do we forget that he's right there beside us when, as we drive the, our vehicle and that we can talk to him? How much time goes by during the day that could be used to spending communion with him that is lost because we're worried about things that it's not even our place to worry about? And let me tell you, I, I don't know about you, but at least me, I forget a lot, more than I should. Can anyone else relate? But it shouldn't be so. You know, I was talking to Brother Mark on the way here, and we were talking about Enoch. And Enoch is, is a great character of the Bible. I mean, he's, he's just inspiring, because the Bible says in Genesis 5 that he walked with God. Everything he did, whenever he came to a certain uh, decision to be made, to a certain situation in his life, to any event, he would say, Lord, what would you have me do right here and right now? This is what we're told from the spirit of prophecy. Lord, what would you, what would you have me do here? Should I go left? Should I go right? Lord, what would you have me say to this person? Lord, this person has just hurt my feelings. Bless them. What should I say back? You know, in every moment, I don't know, you know, I, have a, I had a pastor who, who told me once, we're not so much Christians by action, but by reaction. What's our first reaction? And sometimes that shows us whether we're in communion with God or not. But we need to sit down, spend that time, that quiet time, and check ourselves whether we are in the faith. Lord, am I pleasing you? Lord, I have made these plans. Are these the plans that you want me to fulfill today? And brothers and sisters, this is abiding with Christ. And it is one of the most beautiful things that we can ever, it is the most beautiful thing that we can ever experience because there's nothing else fills. Nothing else satisfies. And this is the connection that we were born to have. I don't know if you've heard, if you've heard uh, the story that in, uh, in World War II, in England, there, during the, the Battle of London, Battle of Britain, sorry, they, the Germans were uh, bombarding the city of London, and the hospitals were full to the brim, full to the brim. And in every hospital, there were wards full of newborn babies, or young toddlers without parents. And they were dying by the hundreds, by the dozens, because there was nobody to care for them. But in one, in one hospital, the babies were not dying. And so they investigated, and guess what? There was a, a custodian, a lady who, who, whose job it was to clean the hospital or parts of it and to make sure that everything was tidy. She would stay after hours and hold 
the babies one at a time and sing to them and, and nurture them. And these babies survived because they were born with this intrinsic need for a connection, for something that, that can mean life or death. And in our case, and what we're talking about today, it means eternal life or death. We, each of us here, we're hungering, starving for this, this food, this connection that only God can give. How badly are we seeking it? Or how easily do we sell it for something else? Whether it's TV or, or even the newspaper. You know, whatever it is. I don't know what it is in each of our lives. But what is it that we're selling Christ for? And can we do something to fix it? By God's grace, we can. Amen? Now, so we saw in John chapter 15, verse 11, that it's not just for God, but He wants His joy to remain in us and that our joy might be full. That our joy might be full. Does God care about our satisfaction? Oh, amen, He does. Does He care about our joy? Yes. And he's done everything possible for us to experience that joy, to experience that walk with him. Now, I want to read, I want to ask you a question actually. How can we abide in Jesus? I mean, we talk about it a lot. We, we hear this, uh, this phrase thrown, out, you know, thrown uh, around very commonly. Yeah, you know, just abide in Jesus and, you know, walk with him, you know, like Enoch did. Yeah, yeah. And, but it stays there many times, you know, and, and we've probably heard this time and again in our Christian life, but are we living it? Are we walking with Christ? You know, how can we abide in Jesus? We're sinners, desiring that which is evil, doing that which is contrary to the word of God, full of selfishness, pride, covetousness. How could we with Christ. Look at John 15. Look at verse 3. It says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Jesus speaks words of peace, words of forgiveness, words of love to us today. If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His word cleanses us. And from there, go to verse 7. It says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And then look at verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 23. It says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. How do we abide with Christ? We have to keep his words. We have to allow his words to flow through us, to cleanse us, to become an experience. Are we studying our Bible? But is, and most of us might say yes, right? But is our Bible study just an event during the day or is it an experience? There's a difference. There's a difference between the two and here it is. We read our Bibles in the morning and, you know, we're reading the book of Ruth. Oh, yeah, Ruth, you know, great. Okay, check my, my 
daily devotion is done. I learned something new. And I might even share this with someone because I learned something new and, and off I go on my day. And, but during the day, it's almost as if I forgot what I read that morning. Have you ever been asked? I know it's happened to me. <laughs> we can, uh, it's time for confessional here. <laughs> Have you ever been asked what you read that morning and you didn't remember? <laughs> it's happened to me. Many times it's because we treat our time of Bible study more as just an event, a, a thing on a checklist during the day, rather than an experience. See, if it were an experience, we'd read our Bibles and say, hmm, Lord, why did you lead me to read this today? What do you have in mind? What, what is it that you want me to see from this, from my life? Before I start thinking about Whoever it is, Nancy or Joanna or John or whoever it is, oh yeah, John needs to hear this, you know. Before we start thinking about the next person, Lord, what does this mean to me? And this, this will become more of an experience because as it, as it becomes more internalized and it becomes personal to me, then I will walk during the day and the Holy Spirit will start reminding me, remember what you read this morning? And of course, we can ask God to help, to remind us. And he'll remind us, remember what you read this morning? Now you have to put it into practice. But Lord, I don't, I don't want to forgive this person. They're, they're so annoying. Now is the time to apply what you read this morning. And then our Bible study will become more of an experience. And we'll, and we'll realize, but Lord, they're so annoying. We'll realize we can't do it on our own. And we'll start praying. We'll say, Lord, I can't do this alone. I need your help. And we start praying more because we start realizing our need of Him. And the more we realize our need of Him, the more we pray. And it'll become this, this uh, non-vicious cycle, but <laughs> a very loving cycle <laughs> that will continue this. You just won't want to stop praying because you realize, we'll realize our need of Him more and more. And during the day, we'll start walking with Him and talking with Him and, and we'll be modern day Enoch's. And as we do this, just the, the joy of walking with Jesus, we'll, we, we won't be able to help but share it with others because it just overflows. Now, how many of us want this experience? Amen. I want it. But how long has it been since we last experienced this? How long has it been since the last time we, we woke up just excited because we couldn't wait to open our Bibles? Or not even, I don't, you know... <laughs> I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes I close my Bible and I can't wait till the next day when I can open it again, you know? Just, where is this experience gone? And why have we lost it? We should ask God and say, Lord, what is it in my life that is impeding your total dominion over my heart? And this is the experience that God wants us to have. Amen? Now, I know many of you were expecting me to talk about health. <laughs> and I am. You see, we like to, we, many times we connect, uh, we think about uh, health reform. And we, the first thing we think about is our veggies and our, you know, make sure you eat that garlic and don't eat between meals and, and you know, two meals a day or three meals if you're very active, right, um, et cetera, and, you, and we read through councils on diets and food and so on, and, and we know all the do's and don'ts, 
but we've forgotten the most important thing. The one thing that will give us true eternal health, eternal life, and life in, in abundance. And that is our daily walk with Christ. I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, it happened to me. You know, I, I uh, many times, I, I, sorry about that. <laughs> I, I gave my heart to God. And I started learning a lot more about the health message and about all these things that are just beautiful. I mean, is not the health message beautiful? I know at first, many times, you know, when we first heard about it, it was perhaps a chore. It was a burden. I know it was to me. And I couldn't wait till maybe, you know, the time when nobody was looking and I, and I would escape and eat something that I shouldn't eat because nobody was watching, you know. I actually remember the first time I did that. It had been, it had been about four months since I had eaten any meat and I was a very big meat lover and it just so happened that one day I had the car and you know everybody thought I was going to be in one place so I said all right well I'm taking the car and I'm going to go get me something to eat and of all places I could have gone <laughs> I went to Taco Bell <laughs> I mean come on you know <laughs> but I went to Taco Bell and I and I got me this big burrito uh, grilled stuffed burrito with chicken and and, uh, and I don't know what else I had. And, and I got one of chicken and one of beef because, you know, I, I, I wanted to see if I still remembered uh, that it tasted how I remembered it. So I grabbed one of each and, and I, I, you know, I go through the drive-thru. I don't want anyone to see me. I go through the drive-thru. I, I get it in the car and, and I drive off to a lonely spot in the parking lot. And I start... I start uh, opening it, and you know the reflex is to pray before you eat. <laughs> but I couldn't bring myself to pray, so I just, I just took a bite out of it. And, and, and I started eating, and it didn't taste how I remembered it. <laughs> my, taste, my taste buds started changing. <laughs> so maybe there is someone here who, who is at the point where the health message is a chore and a, a burden, but I'm here to tell you that taste buds... They're the least of your worries. It, they'll change. The, the taste for, for salt changes after about five days. The, change, the, the taste for that, that taste that we like, we like the taste of uh, fatty foods, that changes after about 90 days, and so on. Our taste buds change, and, and so, does our, so do our habits, if we allow God to help us change them. And so... Now, how does this, though, how does all this connect with this connection that we need with Jesus? See, we were talking earlier about how people seek a connection through Facebook and all these uh, social media platforms for this connection that you're trying to fill what, what they're missing, and yet it's not filled. But we have something, this social connection with God that can fill every single need. And even overflow. Because before, before we can have health anywhere else in our life, whether it's physical, emotional, social, or mental, we must have that spiritual health. If we are avoiding the meat and eating the veggies and avoiding those late night snacks and uh, making sure we don't eat too much sugar or all these things that you know, that are involved in the health message, but we have lost Jesus. Are we truly healthy? 
And so I was telling you how, I remembered I was telling you how I was a health reformer, but inside I was not converted. I was not changed. And then the time came about a year later, the Lord changed my heart. And for the first time I saw the beauty of His sacrifice for us and I, and I, I decided I wanted to give my life to Him. And I wanted to live for Him. And, and I started doing that. And now, but I had all these all this knowledge about the health reform and so on and, and I went from one end of the spectrum to the other and I started being this, this legalist where no, this everything, I'm sleeping at nine and I, I'm going to make sure I eat this amount and I don't overeat, you know, and I would, and I would rebuke and this and that and, and as we heard from Pastor Goss, is rebuke good? Yeah, I mean, it's needed when it's done in love, right? But, but there was no love in what I was doing. I, 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 I was converted and I was doing the things that I wanted to do, but after, that God wanted me to do. But after a certain amount of months, it became more of this ritual, this, this form. One, this, this lifestyle that many of us fall into. Can anyone relate? Yeah, I'm sure many of us have been there. And, and it, there's no joy there. There's no satisfaction. But Jesus says, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. God wants us to, to have that spiritual health, that emotional well-being, that healthy mental state, of, to know why we're doing what we're doing. Ellen White says that 9 out of 10 diseases originate where? In the mind. What about our thoughts? We read earlier that as we, as we, as we realize God's divine presence his companionship with us. Our thoughts are brought into captivity to Him. Remember reading that? I'll read it again. We have the companionship of the divine Jesus. And as we realize His presence, our thoughts are brought into captivity to Him. Our experience in divine things will be in proportion to the vividness of our sense of His companionship. So if 9 out of 10 diseases originate in the mind... Why not guard the mind? Why not start with this, physical, uh, this spiritual health? That connection that nothing else can replace. That connection with Jesus that will help bring every thought into captivity of Jesus Christ. Our mind will be healthy and, and in, in its train our, our, our decisions will be healthier. Our, uh, our commitments, our relationships our words, and everything else will follow in its train. If we seek Jesus Christ and His righteousness first, everything else will be added unto it. But sometimes we like to put the cart before the horse, and um, that's not what God calls us to do. So the more we realize our need, the more we will pray, because we will realize, I studied something this morning. I need to live it, but I can't live it in my own strength. Lord, help me. Now, I want to read something else to you. This one is in counsels to uh, parents, teachers, and students. It says, Let them give themselves body, soul, and spirit to God to be used by Him in saving souls. And as they learn to abide in Christ, there will remain in the heart no room for selfishness. In His service, they will find the fullest satisfaction. That's uh, CT 522. 
in His service. In the service of God, there is full satisfaction, as we've been repeating time and again. There's another quote I want to share with you. This one is in uh, Dawn Before Darkness, page 12. It says, Satan is well aware that the weakest soul who abides in Christ is more than a match for the host of darkness. Did you catch that? The weakest soul that abides in Christ is more than a match for the host of darkness. And that should he reveal himself openly, he would be met and resisted. Therefore, he seeks to draw away the soldiers of the cross from their strong fortification while he lies in ambush with his forces, ready to destroy all who venture upon his ground. Only in humble reliance upon God and obedience to all his commandments can we be secure. No man or woman is safe for a day or an hour without prayer. Especially should we entreat the Lord for wisdom to understand his word. Here are revealed the wiles of the tempter and the means by which he may be successfully resisted. Wiles is where we get, we get it from the, from the Greek and it means methods. The methods. It is in the Bible that we learn the methods of the devil. And it is through the Bible that we realize what is our part in this whole plan of salvation. And then we realize our need of God and we pray more. No man is safe for a day or an hour without prayer. We realize that we need the Bible. And when we have these things, when we have God's truth in us, we won't be able to help but share it. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Because, sure, okay, that's the experience we want to have. We all know that, and perhaps we've even experienced it. We might have lost it. We might still have it. We might still be living this way, and that's awesome. But how can we not lose it? How can we, how can we gain this experience and not lose it? Would you like to know that? The Bible tells us, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's a very well-known verse. Very, very well-known verse. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. In fact, we, we might all be able even to say it from memory. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Now, did you know that in the margin, I don't know if you have one of those Bibles that has a, a margin there, but in the margin it gives us a little bit of insight as to, how, as to what, this, uh, what this verse is saying. It's, it really says, therefore if any man be in Christ, Actually, before I tell you what it says, you see the he is there. I don't know if you have a King James Version, but it says he is, and it's italicized. It was added in, right? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It really says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, let him be a new creature. Now, what does that imply? Let him be a new creature. It implies choice, right? It implies the, the fact that they have the power to be that new creature if they so desire, if they so choose by God's grace. If they are in Christ, then they have the power to be that new creature. But God does not force it upon us. It is left to us whether we choose to be that new creature or not. 
So when it says there, therefore if any man be in Christ, let him be a new creature. Lord, I am, if I am in Christ, I want to choose to be that new creature. And it is through that type of, uh, of, of life, you, you start saying, every moment I want to choose for him. And we start saying, okay, Lord, this person just really uh, told me some nasty things. And I feel like responding this way, but Lord, help me choose not to. And thank you, because I know you're helping me. And we choose not to with his help. And we are that new creature. And as we make choice by choice that reflects that life of a new creature, we start, we are that new creature. And Christ transforms us. New habits are made. A new person is created in the likeness of the image of God. And it starts choice by choice with God's help in Christ. So, brothers and sisters, how can we have this experience? It is like Enoch did. It is by moment by moment choosing to have that experience. Lord, right now I don't even want to have that experience, but I know that I need it. Help me choose. And he will help us. Has God ever let us down? Never. Have we let ourselves down? Time and again. But if we call on God, he will help us. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. We'll look at a story here to end. Matthew chapter 14. Starting with verse 23. This is right after the, the uh, feeding of the multitude. And it says, And when he, Jesus, had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. It might have looked something like this here like this painting here. The ship was tossed with the waves. And how do you think the disciples, uh, how do you think the disciples were feeling at that moment? <laughs> Probably terrified, right? But not as terrified as they're about to get. Because it says in verse 25, it says, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Now in the fourth watch of the night, that means anywhere between three and six in the morning, Jesus is coming, walking on the water towards them. And the disciples look, they see Jesus walking on the water, and, they sit, and they're relieved. Oh, good, it's Jesus. Not quiet. Verse 26 says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. So you can imagine these grown men, fisher, some of them fishermen, you know, big guys, and they're running around this, this boat. It's a ghost, it's a ghost. You know, can you, have you ever seen big guys scared? I have, a, I have a big cousin. His name is Christian. He's huge, massive, massive arms the size of like a leg and a half of mine. And he gets, he gets scared of, a small rodent, and he screams very high-pitched. It's, it's quite funny to watch. Um, so these big men are just running around, ghost, it's a ghost, and they're just, they're scared. And, but Jesus doesn't stop to enjoy the view. Immediately he says, 
be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter, good old Peter, first one to answer, says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. If it's you, tell me to come on the water with you. And so Jesus responds. And what does he say? He says one word, come. But in that one word, there was immense power. That one word, just come. And Peter came down out of the ship. He walked on water to go to Jesus. Most of us have had this experience, if not all of us. You see, living a life free of sin, living a life covered by Jesus' blood is something impossible without Jesus. But I'm sure that all of us have experienced at one time or another the blood of Christ covering us, cleansing us, and where we have experienced immense victories for Jesus. Amen? This couldn't have happened without God's help. Just, just as much as Peter could not have walked on that water without God's help, we can no, no much, we can't, just as much, we cannot live a life without sin. We cannot uh, stop sinning without Christ's help. And so, and so here was Peter doing the impossible, just as we are called to do, just as this last generation is called to do. Because I also believe that Jesus is coming soon, that Jesus is coming in our lifetime by God's grace. And we are called to do the impossible, to represent a holy God before the whole universe. And we can't do it unless God helps us. We're, we have been, in essence, called to walk on this water, this stormy water, with waves all around us. And Peter looked around. He saw the wind, violent wind, boisterous. He was afraid, and he began to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. In, this ex in his experience, or that was his experience, in our experience, we lost our first love. We started sinking with the cares of the world, with the bills, the, the desires for material goods, the whatever it is. We start sinking. And today we have the opportunity to cry out and say, Lord, save me. I want to walk on that water again. I want to live that life that you have called me to live. And what does Jesus do? Notice the first two words of the next verse. What does it say? It says, and immediately. The moment we cry to God for help, He will help us. And immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand and grabbed Peter. And He said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Brothers and, uh, brothers and sisters, if we have lost our first love, it is not because of a lack on the part of God. It is because of our lack of faith. If we have lost our desire to live and work for Him, the one that we, the fervent desire that we once had, it is not God's fault. But it is because we have stopped 
seeking after him with our whole heart. And this, brothers and sisters, will lead to a myriad of, of uh, health complications and ultimately death, eternal death. And none of us want that. We want an eternal life with Jesus, a life of happiness, of full satisfaction, of full joy with Jesus. And it starts right now, this moment, right now. I can say, Lord, help me. I'm sinking and I need your help. Please help me. And if that is the cry of our heart, same Jesus will immediately stretch forth his hand. And whatever your name is, say, I have you. Don't worry. But it is up to us today. Brothers and sisters, there's lots of Peters today in our church. We might be a Peter today. Do we want to cry out for Jesus? Do we want to ask him, Lord, replace that love for you that I once had. Fill me with your love. Today, do we want to choose to be his and his alone? And if that is the case, stand with me and let's pray together. Dear Father, Lord, we're thankful that you are not ashamed to call us your brother. And Lord, just as, just as you're, you're not ashamed to call us your brother, and Lord, we, we want to stand up today and testify that we are not ashamed of being your children, of being your people. And Lord, we want to be yours. We choose today to be yours, Lord. Forgive us, Father, for our sins. Forgive us for our waywardness. Forgive us, Lord, for our hard-headedness, for our defiance against your love, against your, your will, Lord. And we pray, Father, that you will not only forgive us, but that you will cleanse us, that you will make us new, and that you will help us, Lord, restore our spiritual health, that we may be truly healthy from the inside out. Father, we pray that as we continue this camp meeting, that our experience with you will be renewed and that we may remember your workings in our life. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you because we know that you answer in your lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.